Hey guys, brand new podcast. Uh, today's a really interesting one. I didn't know what to expect from this podcast, but it kind of just unfolded in front of me. We talk, it sounds a lot like a therapy session. By the way, I had Dr. V on. I wanted, she is a relationship expert, uh, psychologist, so, like just a real, like a doctor, but she deals with the relationships and bad ones and, and, and good ones. She's been on Bravo. She's been all over the place. I meant to talk to her about herself. We are going to do that. We have rescheduled to do one more podcast coming up next week where we talk to her about herself and her career and her journey. That just was not the podcast we did today. We talked about me and we talked about toxic people and we talked about why people gain toxic people in their lives. We talked to my dad. We called my dad in the middle of the podcast. By the way, this is a great fucking podcast. This is what I love about podcasting is there are no rules. It can be whatever the fuck you want it to be. It doesn't need, look, if, if I was on network television and this was a network television show, they would have yelled cut halfway through and like, Bert, talk to about her, her about her book. I didn't at all. I didn't talk to her about anything that was planned at all. We just had a great organic conversation and I'm going to have more of them with her. She is fucking fascinating and a really interesting, smart, beautiful. I'll say beautiful. We have a video content for this. Very beautiful woman, but really smart, insightful, and real. Very real. I love her. I love her. So ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, by the way, new merch available at burtburtburt.com. Whiskey, cock, glock, dog. That shirt's available. It just got released this week. Today, really, in my life. But... Uh, this I recorded this two days ago, so whatever. Um, tour dates will be figuring out. Uh, I will let you know as soon as I know. And then we have a happy hour drinking uh, Zoom meeting Friday, 5 p.m. West Coast time, 8 p.m. East Coast time, 7 p.m. Chicago. I don't even know what the time zone Chicago is on. doesn't matter. I can't leave my fucking house, does it? Anyway. Without further ado, today's podcast, you've seen her on Bravo, she's on the Birdcast, and we talk surprisingly about Bert, Dr. V. This is the Where did you grow up in Philly? Uh, right on the Western Edge, so right by 69th Street. Okay, I'm starting to hear it now. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You got it? <laughs> so wait, this, this is going to sound... So I don't know what you know about me. I'm the worst interviewer ever. And sometimes I say, say things, I say things that sound horrible, but I just am being super honest. This sounds crazy, but like, how does a girl from Philly get into, get into the business you're in, which is basically uh, like... I, I called you a relationship doctor today, but you know basically a therapist? Uh, yeah. I mean, I have uh, two master's degrees in uh, psychology, one in counseling, one in clinical, and a PhD in clinical psychology. So, um, you know, where I grew up in a super, I want to say working class neighborhood, maybe lower Italian. working class neighborhood. Yeah. Um, education was really like pounded into all of our heads. I'm one of five kids. And so it was really important for my parents who are second generation to uh, have us be educated because back then that was the way to success was to be educated. And I think, you know, Philadelphia is an interesting place where 
particularly in the row homes where the neighborhood comes together and you sit around and you listen to other people's problems and the feelings behind the facts and the facts behind the feelings. And so everyone would gather on our stoop in particular, just to really talk about what was going on in their lives. And to me at that time, when I would listen to some of these problems, I would think just like the rest of the neighborhood, that these problems were unsolvable. And then as I got a little bit older, um, I thought to myself, this is easy. We can do this. this. These problems are fixable. You know, if you want to sit and bitch and moan all day on my stoop, I'm here. But there's something we can do about this, I promise. Yeah. So I kind of came, I sort of was given the torch, not just by my family, but maybe even by my neighborhood members um, to be a problem solver. You know, my first name is Venus. Uh, <laughs> and I, I, people would be like, oh, just go to Venus, you know, she'll fix it. She'll, she'll, she'll figure it out. So I think I took on that, um, that person. I took on that identity as a young person when we're all searching for identities and I just haven't let it go. <laughs> it's really fascinating. That's really fascinating because, you know, I think, and especially Italian families and big Italian families or Italian communities, things so quickly divert to food and family where you forget one of the backbones of any great community is being able to solve problems. And, and, you know, it's like, like I went to a therapist one time, my buddy, Joey Diaz is Cuban, but, uh, but he, so I told him I was going to a therapist and he kind of shut me down and he's like, dog, that's what friends are for me and you. We talk this out every morning we get coffee and we figure that out. I'm here for you. Like, and you forget, you know, before licensed therapy, it was, a lot of just listening and that's how you got through things. Absolutely. And your friend is echoing uh, one of my sentiments, which is we don't need more psychologists, more therapists. We need to learn how to be good friends again. We need better friends. And that is like, if you have a support system and you have trusted people who you can go to, that is so important. I mean, look, the first therapists were, I, I, were priests. You would go in a confessional, right? And you would just confess all the shitty things and shameful things you did. And he'd be like, oh, go do, you know, say five Hail Marys and come back to me later. See how you feel. And so that was our very early lesson in the power of listening, the power in just someone listening really giving no feedback whatsoever, except to say a couple you know, rosaries or whatever it might be. Um, but I definitely agree with your friend that, that good friends, uh, really good friends and good communities and good families, they help each other. It's crazy. I sat uh, this morning, I just got off the treadmill, but I walked for four miles talking to four of my closest friends. Not Joey Diaz, not included. I didn't talk to Joey, but four of my closest friends, just talking to them and just kind of catching up. And one of the interesting things that this pandemic's brought about is, is people are answering their phones for the first time in a while. And they haven't, whereas before you'd be like, send it to voicemail, I'll get back to them later. Now all of a sudden communities kind of slowed down and you're like, you realize 
I called one of my buddies who's probably the most, the busiest man on the planet. And I was like, Hey man, he's like, what's up? I said nothing. Just wanted to catch up. And it, you could almost hear us both sit in our chair and go, how's everything been? He's like, good, good, good. How are the girls? You know, it, it's really mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah. You're, you're sort of settle in to have a more intimate discussion with your friend who you haven't spoken to maybe in a while. Do you find now, I, I know that you, you do a lot of like relationship stuff and, and I want to talk about that stuff because me and my wife, I think we have a great relationship, but I also think I dropped the ball. I'm going to have her come back here and say something in a sec. <laughs> I would, what I'd love to talk to you about and what, something I've been dealing about, and I actually struggled with it in bed regarding whether or not I should talk to you about it is um, I find I draw people, I draw real shit people to my lives. Now, Aside from the four friends I told you I talked to on the phone today, I feel like I draw uh, abusers and liars and 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 just bad people to me, like toxic people. Would you say toxic? Toxic, toxic. and it's and I said it to my wife in the thing, and I said I'm afraid to even say that on my podcast because I know that they'll listen to this. There's like four or five of them, and they're all going to go, "That's me," and then they're going to start a fight with me online or on text and i went why how do i do you like what is it uh, what is it inherent in people that make them make the same mistake in relationships over and over again i know that's a broad question but i hope you understand where i'm going with this i do um and the 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 short answer is trauma that you have experienced some kind of trauma and we repeat that trauma over and over and over again. So, and it taps into all different kinds of feelings. So, but what you're talking about is inviting toxic people into your life. And I'm sure there's a moment, Bert, I'm sure there's a moment where you, something tells you that this person isn't good for you and you ignore it. You ignore that. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's, you're like you'll know if you go back, you oh, will have yeah. a defining moment where. Oh it God, was like, yeah! And every single one I just mentioned, I have a defining yeah. moment where I went, okay. But then it gets so complicated because you have these moments with these people, and then there, and then, and then it, it's also in this business of Hollywood where, and I'm, I know that's a little bit of your specialty, and that you do work mm-hmm. on TV shows. Yeah, is that there is a compromise of going like this person's bad for me, but. I don't want to ruin them or I don't want to hurt them or I don't want to like, if I do this or distance myself, then all of a sudden it becomes, it becomes even more toxic. Well, that means you have to set stronger boundaries. And again, trauma, it, it, it tweaks our instincts. It ruins our instincts a little bit, meaning it distorts our instincts. So we allow people into our boundary space, damn it, yeah, into our second skin, into our second emotional skin when they shouldn't be there, and you know they shouldn't be there. And by the way, that talk that you're giving yourself about, but if I do this, it'll be worse. No, it will always be worse. It won't matter what you do; it will always end up bad. So remember that you can make it end up less bad. You can make it. No, hurt less, but you will always, no matter what, in their mind, turn into the villain. And that's the truth. So toxic people, why does this happen to you? There is something called psychic empaths, where you're a really empathic person. And, you know, 
you seem like a tough guy, kind of. But I find tough guys to be the most empathic people around. They mm-hmm. have that hard exterior shell for a reason. They built that up for a reason. And they can be the most loving and the most nurturing and the most empathic people. Well, empathic, psychic, empathic people attract narcissists. God damn it. I That's who you like they attract. I have a fucking net. <laughs> I mean, it is. I could yeah. sit here and walk you through. I'm saying, I'm not even, like, I know right now there are people losing their mind. There are people that are hearing this going, he's talking about me. I have 20 of them. I have fucking 20 of them my whole life. And by the way, that's their narcissism. That's the narcissism. He's talking about me. He means me. It has to be me. Like, that's the narcissism part. You know, it doesn't have to fucking be you. He could be talking about anybody, you know? Oh, oh, oh my God. It's so funny. Yeah, I feel like I, I, and I've said to my wife, I've tried to get better and better and better. And the only, the only saving grace in this is I had a friend. um, I've had two friends reach out that are now my friends saying, Hey, we're trying to be your friend and you're not letting us be your friend. Like what's going on here? And I just was, I was shut off. I was like, I'm done with friends. I don't need them. I got a family. I'll do the family thing. And then I'll meet some people, but I don't need like friends and both of them, but but, but probably not even joking. Probably six guys, probably six of my closest friends uh, have each made a valid, like, reach of uh, like an extension going, Hey, you need to, you need to open up. And I, I you know, I had a bit Do you? that I, that I played, played with a little bit on stage, but it's so, it's so much easier to have sex with a stranger than it is to make a friend. Hmm. Like, Why do you think that is? I have no idea. I mean, think about like, think about the last time you like made a friend where you like, were like, Hey, this person's cool. I mean, you, you're probably pretty well-rounded. I shouldn't use you as an example. <laughs> I, like, listen, I get it myself into those toxic relationships too. For real? And they're, they're sticky. Toxic people have staying power. You know, once they hook into you, once they know what buttons work, once they know what buttons push, um, they have staying power. And Every, I want to say about every decade, I invite one of those people into my life, which I'm lucky because I caught on to myself, right? Because what you don't want to do is collect red flags. Oh, that's a red flag. Well, I'm going to put it back here. Oh, that's a red flag too. I'm going to stick it back here. So you're collecting all of these red flags when you should have seen the first one and said, go away. So yeah. I get it. I get it. And I, and it's not just you. It's not just me. It's everyone. Right? Everyone. And by the way, someone's someone's toxicity is another person's best friend and lover. They it's just it's just the dynamic between the two, right? Yeah. Like somebody's toxic ex is somebody's best friend and lover. That that's just the way it is. It would have to be that way. Yeah. Right. Or, 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 or those people would be isolated on an Island. Like no one would ever want to deal with them. And, and by the way, probably most people don't want to deal with them, but they'll find that one person who loves them. So it's the dynamic, right? It's the dynamic that we create with one another. 
where that person knows how to get to you. They push your trauma buttons. They push all of some of your insecurities, some of your, you know, your weakest pieces of yourself that maybe haven't grown yet. And then they just hook into you like claws. So I have so much empathy for that. So how do, how do we find this trauma in our lives, fix it, and then distance ourselves from the, those people? And I, and I feel like my, this sounds crazy, but like I go, I, I feel like my, I don't know what my trauma is, but I know my fault is confrontation. I know that I have a hard time confronting people when they step a boundary. I know sometimes I go, well, I got to give them a pass. They're, they're a little, you know, it's a learning curve. You know, I'm a, I'm a tough person to be around. Um, I, I, I drink a lot. I, I move at a quick pace. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not narcissist. I'm what they call, um, I, what, what was it called? Like, uh, just self-focused. Like I think about myself a lot. I, you know, I, I don't, I'm not a narcissist, but I just, like, like you're I, a self-absorbed I, bastard. What do we get that here? Yeah. yeah, I'm not, I'm, That's probably what I, by the way, I need my wife in here. Cause she could clear a lot of this up right now. My wife's, my wife's done a lot of work in therapy. Her relationship with her mother allegedly is horrifically toxic, allegedly, but, um, uh, and so I've only met her mom once. What, 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 what well, I just say, say that, that legally so that legally no one can sue me. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. <laughs> wow, you're on to this. <laughs> it's a shit show, Dr. V. It's a shit show. <laughs> you live in toxicity. Holy shit. <laughs> no, so, uh, but uh, yeah, her mom disowned her when she uh, started dating me. And so, uh, and so, I, but I, I feel like my problem is I feel like sometimes I, I think I'm a fuck up. So I allow people to, to fuck up and I don't call them on it. Cause I go, well, I'm a fuck up also. So in somewhere in your psyche, you believe that you are unworthy. I'm, oh, oh, oh God. I definitely believe I'm unworthy. Okay. Now, <laughs> now that. Wow. You fucking nailed that. Yeah. I definitely, okay. I definitely believe I'm unworthy. A hundred percent. And that invites a lot of toxicity in your life. I also want to point out that it's not just our, I don't like the word deficit, I don't like the word negative, but maybe our blind spots that allow toxic people into our life. It's also our, posit- our positivity and perhaps our confidence. So, so for example, grounded people attract floaters. Okay, That's just the way it is. Start over. Grounded people. So, so you don't have to be like you don't have to think of this of like okay, what am I lacking? I don't have a. I I, I feel a little bit unworthy. Um, I'm empathic to people's problems, although that's a, incredibly positive. Um, so so what I'm getting at is that you don't need to self-flagellate, right? You can all also your positive qualities can attract toxic people. Like if you are a very grounded person. That groundedness attracts floaters, people who are not grounded. They want to be yeah. near you. I they attract, want I attract. You. I'm very positive and I'm very right. optimistic and I'm someone who does. Like I go, let's do it. Let's, let's do it. Why not? Let's, I'm going to shoot a video. I'm going to post a video. I'm going to do, do a promo video for my tour and it's going to get uh, half a million or six million views or whatever. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get on the road. I'm going to get a tour bus. I'm going to, you know, like I'm, I'm someone who does. And I think I, I think I attract a lot of people who don't, yeah. people who don't. And th- that's my floater is, is 
I think that I, I think people assume because I drink a lot. And I, by the way, I apologize what you may and may not know about me. And, and I'm dumping a lot on you. Um, but, uh, I do I'm here for it. I'm I here party, for it. I party. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm like, people think I'm this like party hard kind of, uh, comic that doesn't really have a care. And so it, it's in a weird way. I've always dealt, by the way, I feel like I'm just doing therapy. Um, I feel like I, okay. I've always had people, I've, I've irritated a certain type of person over and over and over again in my life that feels like I, I work hard. Everyone sees me work hard and I'm not getting the things I deserve. Bert doesn't work hard. They don't, cause I don't see him work hard and he's getting things. Why is that happening? This system's rigged. And what they don't see is that I do work hard. I get up at eight in the morning and I work out and I run, I roll calls with my friends. I get, I do a podcast. I then have an alarm set for uh, one o'clock to start writing my script. And then it goes off at two 30 and then I go hang out with the girls. And I, you know, like I'm, I think they think because the exterior reads big party animals, cigars, marijuana, hey, uh, f- take your shirt off on stage. Da, 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 da. I think they, I've always attracted a person that immediately almost wants to hate me. So they're confusing, dare I say this word, I hate this word, but they're confusing your brand with who you really are. And by the way, your brand is pieces of who you are. It's right? big pieces. It's big swaths of who I am because right. but it's not I all do like you. to have a good time. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not all of you. It's not all of you. I mean, look, your, your listeners out there can so relate because I can't tell you how many times people walk into my office, call my phone, probably once a day about a toxic person in their life. and. Um, and those toxic people, by the way, are hurting. And my guess is, or maybe I'll speak for my, myself and my own personal life. Um, I, I want to love those toxic people. I want to, my instinct is to love them. And their instinct is to sabotage that love. So we're at odds, right? with what we want for each other. And so every decade I have this one person, every decade I invite in who I have to insho- have to who I have to show out. I have to show out because I learn the lesson over and over again. There's just some people who feel this unworthiness that they're not worthy of that love. And then that taps into your worthiness and my unworthiness or your unworthiness, my unworthiness of like, God, I just want to love you. I just want to help you. So it's almost like a fight between feeling unworthy in different kinds of ways. Yeah. So it's, uh, I mean, I don't know about you, but those toxic people make me feel like I got to walk on eggshells. Oh. And as soon as you get that feeling, for anybody listening out there, as soon as you get that feeling that you're walking on eggshells, you got to exit that relationship because you got to work on yourself, right? Because I don't look at those toxic people and think to myself, oh, you guys suck. You're that, because guess what? That's toxic. Then that I'm the toxic person. No, 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 no. I look at those people and I'm like, what the fuck? How did I fuck this up? Like, what could I have done better? How could I have been a better person? 
where is my blind spot? And my blind spot is ignoring the red flags and not trusting my instinct that I got the instinct that I had to walk on eggshells. And when that happened, I should have escorted them out. But you're terrified because you're walking on eggshells. Does that make sense? Oh, it it totally does. It's it's like, uh, it's like, um, I saw it's, I saw Shaquille O'Neal in a shark cage one time. There's a bad analogy, but I, I feel like I, I feel like this sometimes. <sighs> I saw Shaquille O'Neal in a shark cage and a small shark entered the cage because they had to make the cage so big for Shaquille O'Neal that there were big spaces and they didn't expect a little shark. Not little, like four feet, but still a shark. Mm-hmm. And, and Shaquille O'Neal's instinct was to crouch down in the corner of the cave as opposed to get out of the cave. Right. And I feel like my instinct sometimes is to crouch down in the corner of the cage instead of going, I'm not going to get, I just need to get the fuck out. It's, it's almost like you, it's almost like you have a bomb and you're holding on to the, the trigger going like, how do I, like, I'm afraid that I won't throw it far enough to get it away from me too early. And then you're holding on to this bomb for like a year and you're like, how much longer can I hold on to this? My fingers are sore. Well, I love that analogy and I might use that on my, I might use that. I'll You're footnote free. you. I'll footnote you. Please. Um, but I, I like to think of it also too, as an, another way your, your, your vibration is up here, right? Uh-huh. Someone comes into their life, some into your life and their vibrations down here. And then because you're empathic, you do this, you begin to vibrate where they are. Right, and I know yeah. your your perverted fans may not want, like that or love that analogy, but <laughs> <laughs> you begin to like vibrate where they are. You begin to meet them at their emotional level instead of staying up here. Like Shaquille O'Neal crouched down mm-hmm. as instead of remaining who he who he is. Right, he 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 didn't remain who he was in that scenario. So. Something about these people change you. They tap into you and you got to find out what that is. So then what am I supposed to do? So like, so like, let's say, let's say I clean house this month and I feel like I'm cleaning house. I feel like I have, I mean, I feel like I started cleaning house in November. In November, I had this saying that I said, that which does not serve you, uh, something to that effect. I forget. Uh, kill that which does not serve you to the point of like if it's not making me better as a human if you're not challenging me and and making me better as a human as a friend meaning i can't talk to you and you challenge my brain or you bring me up to the next level then i don't want you in my life like i don't want i don't want a bunch of dead weight where i feel like i i want i want to be i want i want to get on the phone with you and i want to giggle and i want to laugh or i want to think or I want to I want to leave the phone call with you like like today I talked I talked like I said I talked to like four friends and I, it's like I walked four miles and I'm smiling and my wife came home and I go hey come here mm-hmm. I want to tell you what I talked to my friends about and I just talked to him and I was smiling ear mm-hmm. to ear and 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 then I was like I was like that's what a friend should be is now my days better and I and I think I made their days better I mean we crack jokes and we made fun of some people and made fun of each other and like 
Like me and Segura started, Tom Segura is a, a comedian. He's like my, one of my best friends, mm-hmm. maybe my best friend. And I said, hey, do you want to do this show? And he was like, yeah, let's, why not? And then I said, hey, what, we were pointing out things we do on stage that are like, like weaknesses that we don't notice. And he was, by the way, we're like, I, we're just pointing out things we do. And then we're making right. jokes about each other and we're laughing so hard. And then I got the phone. I'm like, I find myself like smiling and I'm like, that's what a friend should be. A friend shouldn't be like, Oh fuck. What's this going to say? Like that shouldn't be what a friend is. So then say I clean house. How do I fucking notice? How do I like, how how do I go through life without just being a dictator where I'm like, sorry, you didn't tip the bartender. And we, I always tip and I know what you're doing. I know what you're doing. You didn't even pay for that drink out of my life like how do i not be that guy well you're asking a really great question and you might have to be that guy you may not but you may have to be that guy in the beginning because in order to get to center you may have to go all the way to the extreme to catch yourself and that'll be your learning curve so you might have to be that guy. You might turn into that guy for a little while, but know this, you'll come back to center and you'll be better for it. Okay. But okay. Here, how about this? Okay. So like, and and I also want to just back up to what you were saying about a friend and the friends you were talking to this morning. We, there, I have those friends too, where every time I walk away from them, I've been given something whether it's a smile, whether it's laughter, whether it's insight, whether it's, it's support, you walk away with something, you know, like it's an exchange, right? There's, there, there's an equality in that. There's an egalitarian in that. Like you, you like, there's an exchange and that feels so good. And I just want to say for you to have those kinds of friends, you know, how to have good friends and you know how to have good people in your life. You know, you already know it's about catching yourself with your instincts. Cause I know, you know, when someone shouldn't be in your life, I can tell by just talking to yeah. you, you know, but I always try to give everyone the benefit of the doubt where I go, I'm a fuck up. Like I, like, uh, I'm trying to so think you blame things. yourself for them being fuck ups. Well, no, I just acknowledge fuck uppery. I go, I go, we <laughs> all done that. Like, like I've been there. You acknowledge like, assholery? Me too. <laughs> like I'll, I'll give you a perfect example. And I think this is a safe example. Um, so I had a friend. I'm going to try to be very broad about this so that, but I think that even if this, I don't think this person would hear it. I had a friend who um, s- started destroying friendships. Started like, I, that's it. I'm done. I can't be your friend to, uh, to another, uh, like another friend. And I, and what had happened was that person had been left out of something and they felt like, uh, they felt like they had been slighted. And then they started conversations in their head, which I do as well. And they started spinning out of control. And by the time that everyone entered in to this double Dutch of chaos of emotions that was in this person's head, it had already spun out way out of control. And this person was behaving irrationally. Now, I understood that. Now, everyone said, fuck that person. Everyone said, fuck that person. 
And I went, hold on. That person's a good person. That person's been our friend for a while. I'm not ready to write that person off. I actually sat with that person on the phone and privately and said, hey, we're, we've all been here. This yeah. is not real. You're like, and so that, if you're talking about an empath, I am definitely that where I said, I have had these moments where you, things get out of control and they're, and they're now they're way out of control and you're embarrassed and you can't bring them back and you don't know how to get them back. But let's just say, let's just get, let's figure this out. Like, and I yeah. literally, like, and I, I, and I think it turned out okay. I think it did, but there are times where people feel like maybe sometimes it didn't. And I, and I, but I knew that this person was good, that what was good, this person was going through was obsessive compulsiveness and depression. And, and they were fight, they were creating arguments in their head that had never happened, which I've right. done. I mean, everybody's shadow boxes. I call it shadow boxing. It's where a you're great, like fighting that's with somebody. Fucking analogy. You're, you're like fighting with somebody. You're making up the whole story. You're answering for them. You hear their response. We all do it. It's called. <laughs> I'm shadow an expert boxing. shadow boxer. <laughs> so I get it, and I and I empathize too with your friend who is doing this. Um, but a lot of times, people don't realize that they're shadow boxing. They believe their reality. They believe that. Yeah, They believe it's hard to walk them back from, I mean, I've had friends where I'm like, nothing is happening. Nothing. All, everything that's happening right now, you're the producer of this chaotic movie. Because nothing in, nothing in reality is, 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 is leading to this. Nothing. Not one thing. Yeah. And, and it's almost like you go into like a slight psychosis for a second just for a second and then you come back and yeah. then there are people who stay in that reality longer they shadow box in that boxing ring for a really long time that's why that's why i don't that's why i do i have been so good at never tweeting anyone in the middle of a shadow boxing bout like mm. texting tweeting emailing never i never send anyone anything and I remember, I remember watching people do that and then going, you shouldn't have done it. You shouldn't have, you create, like it, it, it can start with, it's so crazy, especially the way social media has taken off is I'm, I bet people in the twenties shadow box in their head, fuck them. The bank's trying to take my loan. Oh yeah. It just never came into the ether. It just never materialized in anything. Now it materializes yeah. into tweets and Facebook posts and ranting. Oh, I mean, look, oh. I always say this. I, I, I mean, I Facebook did, I, did to our parents what they thought video games would do to us. Oh, I mean, oh. <laughs> it's insane. Talk about shadow boxing. My, I, I used to think comedy, I've talked, talked about this now probably three times over this, in, in this quarantine, but I think this is very important for people to hear. I used to think Comedy Central hated me. When I was 30 years old until 34, maybe 34, Four, four, thirty-five. I literally thought the people at Comedy Central had it out for me that they hated me, hated me. I mean, hated me because I was not on their radar for whatever, whatever. And now, and then one day I got an offer to be on a show. I did the show. And then when the show was over, all the things I ever wanted from them, they offered me all of them. And then I realized that day 
thank God I never shared that, that all the shadow boxing I did in my head with Comedy Central, all the times I would say, uh, uh, like, oh, Doug Herzog has it out. By the way, that's not a real one because Doug Herzog was yeah. the president of comedy of fucking Comcast <laughs> or whatever, or Viacom. But like, they just like every yeah. there's an assistant who saw me at the bar one time, like in just where you'd spin out of control. Yeah, yeah. And I go, I remember when they offered me everything, and they're like, "We're huge fans," and I was like, "Huh?" And they're like, "Where have you been?" And I was like, "Huh? What? Like I've been here." Fighting with you in my head. Where have you been? <laughs> and, and by the way, those fights substitute yourself. That's not them. No. How could it be? You're taking so much. You're, you, maybe you got fragments of information to put this all in in a ring and have a fight and put your boxing gloves on and you were shadow boxing them for years. But the bottom line is, is on the other side of that was yourself. You were fighting pieces of yourself. And could you imagine if our self-confidence and the positivity that we feel within ourselves were as strong yeah. as our self okay, no, okay, okay, hold on then. So then what in that person called a fucking lunatic? The person no. who can lay in bed <laughs> and go, God, I fucking rock. I mean, people don't know how amazing I am. Like, I like I would well, love that's to be ego. that person. No, 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 no. Because that's the same person. That's the same person who shadow boxing. They're just yeah. doing it differently. Because anybody who knows who they are, they don't got to convince themselves of how good they are, right? Anybody. Yeah. I mean, people who go around spouting, "I've done such a good job, and I'm so great, and I'm this, and I'm that." No, you, you, you don't think that because real. If you really thought that, you don't need to tell anybody. So then what's the conversation I should have in my head where it's self-worth? Like, here's the deal. Like, sometimes I'll say to myself, um, I, I, I think, now I, I can say very candidly, I'm a, I'm a really great stand-up. I really do believe I'm a great stand-up. I put on a great show. Mm -hmm. I really do. Now, that's the truth. I feel that way. And I think that mm -hmm. I think that I write beyond what people expect of me. And I think I surprise people sometimes that I can, that I can do a 13 minute story like the machine or, or my, my Starbucks bit or my own buying a gun bit. And, and I, I'm really proud of, of that. But my insecurity is the part of me that goes work harder than anyone else. Get on the road, get on the, get on stage every single time you can. Like, cause, cause buddy, you don't, you're not the best out there. You're no Bill Burr. You're no Tom Segura. You're no Chris D'Elia. You're just Burt. You're a guy that rips his shirt off, so get out there, and you got to bust your fucking ass. You got to really, like, if they say you got a date, fucking get out there, man. You're not Sebastian. Sebastian can take a few months off. You're Bert. You got to hustle, man. You got to bust your ass. Another perfect example. I, you're not better than anyone, so if the fans want to go drink with you, hey, man, take a fucking second, and yeah. you owe it to them. They came out, and they bought tickets to see you. They're going to go have a drink. You're no better than anyone. You go out to that bar, and you have a drink, whereas my buddies. Like Segura, and I can say this candidly because I love Segura, and I know that he doesn't have a problem with this. He would never go to a bar with a bunch of no one would go to a bar with a bunch of fans in a million years because they go, uh, "I'm I gave them the show, I gave them what they paid for." My wife will say that to me, but I man, I am left if I go do a show and I don't go out. Like I'll do a meet and greet, you know, after the show, but then I go so out to cool. the bar. I go out to the bar. 
and I sit and anyone that wants a picture, I take a picture with them. If they want to tell me about their favorite episode of Two Bears, One Cave, favorite episode of Burt Cast, favorite episode of Rogan that I was on, Bill Burt, whatever they want to do, I'm going to listen and I'm going to, I'm going to, I will literally, my wife said this to me one time. She said, if you don't, I, she was talking about the machine, but she said, if you're not into it, I, I told the machine one story. I got involved with the Russian mafia. It's a big story that, I, that I'm famous for. And so <laughs> she said, if you're, if you're not in, I told it in San Francisco and I kind of was phoning it in. She goes, if you're not into it, don't fucking do it. And she said, and the same goes for these meet and greets. If you are not into doing a meet and greet, please don't fucking insult the fans and just go like, I'm here, get a picture. She goes, that's rude. Go back to the room and get some sleep and make sure you can do it the next day. But don't do it if you're not into it. So when I sit at that bar and I go, and I, I can think of the fucking very last one I did was in Wilkes-Barre. And I, and I remember thinking, I, I remember thinking the pandemic's breaking out. This may be the last one of these I do because my daughter Isla asked me to stop. I remember stopping down and listening to people talk to me and going, this is really cool. I'm getting the opportunity to listen to these people that came and saw me to listen to what they like, like in, you know, any, any brand. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, you're gathering information. Yeah. You're, that's your way. And, and maybe your way is different than Bill Burr or any one of these comedians. Like you are who you are. And I don't want you to confuse beating up yourself with self-doubt because Self-doubt can be the prerequisite to greatness for you. That's your ambition. My, my That's what drives is what makes you. Me work. Yes, me too. Like I will always be, no matter what, best-selling author, uh, number one in LA Times, uh, you know, host of Marriage Bootcamp for eight seasons, my own show on Bravo. It doesn't fucking matter. It wouldn't matter if I ruled the world. I'll always be in the back of my mind, the poor kid from Philly, because that's who I am. And I've realized that, that no matter where I'm at, I could be at the very top or the very bottom. I will always be the poor kid from Philly. And that's that. It doesn't matter what I do. I one time had my assistant had said to me, why don't you ever celebrate your accomplishments? And I was like, accomplishments? Like what? Like, what do you mean? Like I, I'm oh, like, fuck, I love the, this. What the fuck are you talking about? Like to me, it was they're not accomplishments. They don't yeah, it's nice, but that's who I am. Like that's what I do. And I'm looking forward to the next thing and the next thing. And so for maybe people like you and me, <laughs> like that's Celebrate just who you fucking are. What yeah. kind of fucking birthday party am I supposed to have? Oh, <laughs> that's so fucking funny. I did a special one time and they were like, we're going to throw a party for you. And I just got there and I was like, why? I remember literally saying to myself, why? I'm going back to work next week. Like, there's yeah. what are we celebrating? I just what did are we celebrating? It's over. Let's edit it. Let's check it. Like, it's so funny. Celebrate your accomplishments. That's so fucking funny. Like, like oh. what are my what are my fucking accomplishments? Like my <laughs> accomplishments are things that people can't see, right? My accomplishments are raising empathic humans. My accomplishments are being a, a, a maybe a good human and, 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 and empathic and listen. Like like my accomplishments, I don't I think that what we're both saying is that our scale isn't where everybody else's scale is. That's so right? funny. You know what I celebrate? I celebrate 
this is a stupid celebration. I celebrate, and this is, I say this out loud sometimes, but I celebrate the fact that I'm still in love with my wife. I'll celebrate it. Like I'll get, I'll almost dance around it and go, but no, but I'll say it to her. I'll go, I'll like come up behind her and she'll be like making toast or something. And I'll give her a hug and I'll go, can you believe I still love you? Like, can you believe that? Can you believe? Like I get excited. Like I, I just thought relationships were like you five years and how, who could last longer? And yeah. let alone, I never thought I could be married to a 49 year old human being. Like I was like, that'll mm-hmm. never like, I, I, I will definitely want something young and fast and quick, but I, man, I get, I get giddy around her, but, and, or like my accomplishments would be like, um, like I would celebrate like if Georgia's team, when Georgia's team won uh, the state for softball, my oldest daughter, mm-hmm. I got excited. I wanted to celebrate. I like to celebrate. I love celebrating. But I don't like celebrating my accomplishments. Like I me don't neither. See as, as accomplishments, I just go. It's a, it's something you did. Something I did. It's not. That's it. It's something like, I did. I, I celebrated when I ran the LA marathon. That's a celebration. Yes. <laughs> we, went, we went and we partied, and I did the LA marathon with no training, and we went and we partied. And I was like, "How great!" Wow. I celebrated after I did a triathlon. I celebrated after I do any like the Spartan race, Tough Mudder. Uh, t- uh, any of any of those oh, warrior dash i've done all those and i'll celebrate after those uh i'll celebrate but i i love like i love a good party but i but I, also too again like those those types of things are so they're not individualized you're doing it with a group of people the celebrations about everybody yeah. you know what i mean like i'm yeah. not like I, i'm just sort of putting this in perspective that um you know, our, our, your self doubt can be your prerequisite to greatness. It can be what pushes you and consistently pushes you. Um, but there's a balance, right? There's a balance to when it becomes beating up yourself and having self doubt. Cause I think self doubt is great. I mean, imagine all the courageous things people do every day that overcomes their self doubt, right? Every single day. Like what a, what, what a courageous people, like, even the smallest things, you know, your self-doubt. And, and you just do it. You go for it and you do it. So sometimes self-doubt is the gas, like that lights a fire under our ass, right? Yeah. Um, and yet too much, too much. And it sets everything on fire. So it's Oof. so important to understand where you are in that continuum. Does the self-doubt run your car? and? you know, help, help it get to where it's going or do you have too much self-doubt and your car is on fire? Um, I, I, I have a lot of, I'm so relating to you right now. Like it's kind of so meta because I feel like I may be talking to the male version of myself. Um, <laughs> but it's this, I, I, I always say this phrase helps me and this is everything, like you were talking about uh, Comedy Central whenever I find myself shadow boxing or my self doubts are becoming infernos, I say to myself, and I wish someone said this to me when I was younger, I wish they said everything you want, wants you to everything you want, wants you to. That's a great statement. Imagine that. Imagine if you woke up every day with that, Everything I want wants me to. Like if I had that thought 
when I was in my early 20s? I don't know. I'd imagine like, but, but I have that thought now. So then what's the, what, like, I know what my brain said to me. My brain said to me, you're not good enough to get what you want. So settle for this. That's what my brain said to me. When the, the first I wonder where that started. I, cause I don't Trauma. like that. I, I promise you, I promise you either it was modeled by a parent modeled, meaning most of the time with our kids, it's what we see our parents doing, not necessarily how they treated us. So okay. a lot of times it's, it's behavior that was modeled for you from a parent or it was how you were treated. You're not good enough. So can you remember a time where either that was modeled or that was given to you? No, my, my parents were pretty, my dad was a, my dad was a, a realist in life. Like, um, yeah, but was he a drag? That's a nice way of saying a drag. No, 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 no. He, no, he, uh, he was like, he was the guy that you'd, you'd have a catch with and he'd be like, God, buddy, you got a great spiral. Like he would, he would be, he was really, um, and by the way, people have, have heard me talk about my dad on this podcast, so I'm sure they're like pulling up memories going, hold on, Bert. What about the time you said you couldn't wear a Speedo to the mall? And I'm like, well, hold on. Like, I was a Thank very, weird, I was a very, very <laughs> weird child. Like, I think if left to my own devices, I, I, don't, know, I don't know what I would have done. I, have, I had a lot of really bad ideas. I, the way I looked at life was not, real it was just i just was a i was a very uh why like different type of spirit i think and my dad had to kind of i say beat that out of me but meaning emotionally be like you don't get a fucking earring you're not wearing an earring in my house cut your hair we're not gonna have long hair in this house like i like when i was in first grade uh i played pinto ball for the yankees and the bases were loaded. Denny Sullivan was my coach. I was playing second base, and a fly ball was hit to me, and I caught the fly ball. Crowd cheered. I spiked it, ripped my shirt off, and started dancing. <laughs> and that is, by the way, there was, no, there was no humor in that. That was authentically my voice. That was, that was <laughs> hey, guys, I'm Burt Kreischer. This is what I do. Like, it wasn't, there was no, I wasn't trying to be funny. It was who I was. It was your knee-jerk reaction. My knee-jerk reaction is I hear the crowd yeah. give them what they want. Yeah, yeah. So it's off, spike the ball, <laughs> and I start dancing. And my my dad, I, I, I'm going to call my dad because I'd be curious to know what his, I wonder what his, I remember him being like, what the fuck? Like, why, why would you do that? Like, why would you do that? I remember the next year, but did these, he these were authentically in, what, who I was. Okay. But did the he next, say it in a way that he felt embarrassed of you? At the time, I think he, I think he was. I think my mom loved it, and I think <laughs> he was embarrassed. I'm gonna ask him. I'm gonna call him and ask him. I'm gonna yeah, call my mom. Get him on the phone. Get him on the phone. Because I think my mom thought it was great, and my dad was like, "Ugh," because <laughs> that's just not who my dad is. My dad's do the fucking work. Yeah, he keeps he keeps it close to the vest. He's not the kind of guy ripping off his shirt. Go, woo! Hey, I gotta. I'm on. I'm doing a podcast, uh, and I'm talking. 
talking to a therapist and I want to ask you an honest question. Okay. Okay. Be, try to be as honest with yourself in the moment back then is I'm going to, it's a little bit of a stretch. So Pinto baseball, you probably already know what I'm going to say. No, I have no, what did you just say? Think of baseball? Pinto baseball. I'm playing for Denny Sullivan. Base is loaded. Yeah. Fly ball hit to me. Yeah. I spike it and start dancing. What was your, how did you feel about me in that moment when I started dancing? Were you embarrassed or were you excited? How did you feel honestly? Shocked. <laughs> it would never occur to me to do that. <laughs> That's the stark difference between you and me. <laughs> I would have tossed the ball to second base. You danced. Okay. All right. Did that work? Yeah, that was perfect. I love you, Dad. I'll talk to you later. Okay, love you too. Bye bye. I mean, do we need to say more? Oh, uh, shocked. And by the way, his way, he would have thrown it to second base. His way, he, what he's really saying is, is better. Yeah. It would have been oh, way yeah. better. Well, like, oh, yeah. let's just keep it 100. Like, yeah, he, he definitely, <laughs> he definitely has looked at me my entire life and just shocked. That is, that is the, that it might, that might be explained more than anything is my dad has looked at me my entire life shocked. Like, I don't like, I don't, I remember when I made more money, the first time I made more money than he made and he, and I was like, so I don't know, like, what do I do? Should I? And he just looked at me and goes, I, I don't even know what to tell you. I don't know why they're giving you that money. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I can't say the money's going to keep coming. Like, I, I don't know what to tell you. Like almost like I give up, but now here's a, a man that has given me, has given me some of the most brutal life advice. I'm talking like, and I don't mean, I mean this lighthearted, but like borderline abusive life advice where like, where you just go, where you need it. Like that's his thing is he wanted to raise a man and he understood that. I, I think he understood. I was so far left from center that sometimes he needed to show me how far right from center the world's operating to get me just to understand his big thing. He always wanted me to understand was humility because the kid who spikes the ball and dances there's not a lot of humility in him and, and there was i don't i don't know if there was any humility in me as a kid it was almost like i remember that the next year we were we were getting ready to play winter ball and this is like he got upset with me and we were raking up the field we were getting the field ready to start the season and someone said hey bert congrats you guys won uh championship last year our team the yankees my 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 <laughs> I, mean, I said things that were so asinine. Like I, when I said, when I, when we won, we won the, you know, the world series in Pinto ball, our team, the Yankees. And like, I, I would just listen to Queens. We are the champions and like, and go, I knew it was going to feel this good. Like I'd say the weirdest things that a kid would say to my dad. And I go, I'm a champion, dad. And he'd be like, easy. Like your, your team won the Pinto. Like it's, you're not a champion. And I was like, no, I'm like, I would argue I'm a champion. And then we went to rake the field for fall ball. And someone said, Bert, congrats. 
you guys won the championship. And I looked at this as an adult. And I looked at him. I said, do it again this year. And my dad was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Okay, so where's that guy now? Where's that kid now? Oh, he was shaken free from my psyche. Like he was not, he was not allowed to be in our house. That fucking, that guy might be annoying as shit, by the way. Right. (laughs) That guy, but like, I think he's, I think there's a part of him in me. I think right now, if Rogan is listening to this or Segura is listening to this or Ari's listening to this, they're going, oh no, he's still there. He's definitely still there. Like he's, he's the guy that says I can run a marathon with no training, no problem whatsoever, that I can kick a field goal from 33 yards uh, and probably be a pretty competitive field goal kicker in the NFL if I give it a little effort. Like I, de- I rode a bike from Philly to Atlantic City and I said, I don't need any training. I'll just do it. Like there is, there is a part of me that is still there in that kid, but, I, but I, the, the kid that shocked my dad tried to shut up because shocking my dad wasn't the funnest thing in the world in like high school. So you wanted to like kind of keep your head down a tad bit, you know? Yeah. Well, well, number one, I just want to say that you're, I can tell another humble person. You're like super, you have a lot of humility and that's incredibly, people are attracted to that. People like that humility and humbleness. So I want to congratulate your dad for being able to contain some of this self grandiosity that you may have had. (laughs) I mean, you have no idea the things I've said. But I also want to say that we were talking about celebrating ourselves or celebrating you. And I get it now. I understand that phone call really summed up a lot for, for me on the receiving end and kind of an outside viewer. It's like, wow, I, I, I get it. Like you weren't really celebrated by other people. Your identity was never truly like embraced maybe by the one person who you wanted it to be embraced by. And I'm not a parent blamer, by the way. I'm really not. But when we talk about etiology and how we grew up and who we are and um, maybe a little bit of you is modeling your dad. A little bit of you is modeling my dad. Yeah, maybe. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's not Without so much doubt, how he dad. treated you, but it's more like yeah, a little bit's like him. My dad, my dad, hardcore. I mean, the, his his motto in life was "eat shit, cash checks." That was his motto was eat shit, cash checks. And he instilled that on me, like eat shit, cash checks, buddy. I do not know why they pay you money, but trust me, you, you're not better than anyone else. Make sure that when they say, he's like, it's always better than digging ditches. If they got a gig and it's five grand, eat shit, cash checks. Like five, five grand is amazing money. Like people don't make that in a weekend. You need to fucking remember that, that like, I remember I got offered a gig from Jameson Irish whiskey. And they said, the rule was, you couldn't talk about certain things on stage. There was like a list of things. And I was in the car. This is the day Chris Farley died. Uh, I remember being in the car with my dad on 275. I just landed and I was, wasn't really sure if I was going to take the gig. It was five, it was $5,000 a week, $5,000 a week. And I toured with Steve Byrne, Billy Gardell, Pete Corielli, uh, Michael Loftus, all these guys I wanted to party with, but I was like, I don't know, maybe I won't take it. I don't, you know, look, it's not about money. It's about art. I want to be the best comic. My dad's like, 
Are you out of your fucking mind? Eat shit, cash checks. You got two kids. You fucking take that money and you fucking do the work around and you don't talk about booze on stage. You have a fucking family. Are you out of your goddamn mind? I remember him saying that and I remember thinking, what would Chris Farley do? Chris Farley had just passed. Yeah. And my dad's like, Chris Farley would take the fucking money. He's like, you're out of your, you're crazy. Then I take, you know, obviously I have a kids. I take a job at Travel Channel. I, um, I then go on to uh, work for Travel Channel for like nine years, I think. And I'm 42, maybe 40, maybe I'm 40 years old. And my dad's like, maybe a little older than 40, obviously. And then my dad's like, so what's the plan? We're, we're down in Clearwater. We're having drinks, having a cigar. Girls are in the pool. He's like, what's the plan, buddy? Just kind of casual conversation. And I go, I don't know. Hopefully sign another deal with Travel Channel. And I jokingly say, I go, you know, buddy, he shit cash checks. My dad starts crying uncontrollably. And he's like, oh, I fucked you up. I fucked you up. Like, you have too much humility. Like, no, you're better than me. You're more talented. Like, if you don't go for it now, you're going to regret it your whole life. You got to give it a shot. You got to get off that fucking shit network. You got to go and you got to fucking get on the road. You got to do your stand up. You got to do live your dream. Do the sitcom. Do the things you want to do. Like crying. He said that to me. And I was like, oh, and so. So, so even he knew at that time that he was projecting a lot of his own bullshit onto you. Yes. And yes. as a child, you don't know how to deflect that. As a teenager, you certainly don't know. You're trying to find an identity for yourself. Um, and you swallowed it. <laughs> he, like, talk about eating shit. His shit. <laughs> <laughs> One time, there's this video online. Anyone can find it. I'm, I'm, I, I think it's still online. This is a perfect example of me and my dad's relationship. <laughs> Do you know what a green flash is? The green flash? No, what is it? The big thing of Florida is so f- apparently it's, it's a little bit of a folklore, a little bit of a myth. Right when the sun hits the horizon, the last second before it disappears, if you pay attention, you'll see a green flash, right? It's just really beautiful. So not everyone's seen them. Some people have seen them. It's more like a myth. I think most people will say they've seen it. They haven't seen it. And I think if you grew up in Florida, you've probably seen, I don't know. My point is I did a video one time at his beach house of me filming the green flash. Right. And so I'm like, Oh my God, it's, it's happening guys. This is a perfect one. And I'm getting to the point, right. When the sun hits the horizon, I cut to me in a speedo, a thong, just in front of the camera going, oh, do you see it? Do you see it? And I'm in the kitchen of his beach house, right? Oh, uh-oh, the moon's coming up and I show my ass. And then that's the end of the video. My dad called me one time and he goes, the fuck are you doing in the beach house in a fucking thong? And I went, what? And he goes, I just watched this green fucking flash. <laughs> Yo, I'm waiting to see a fucking green flash and it cuts. Do you? Where, how do you have a thong? And I went, I don't know. I just have one. And he goes, you, you did that in our beach house? You did that in the kitchen? You were in a thong in the kitchen? And I went, this joke was not only totally missed on this man, but it was a million times funnier because the one person was like, sees his son in a thong. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> but it was like, it's, it's the perfect. And like, I just... I mean, it was like, there's so many things I've done in life where he just has been like, 
what the fuck is wrong with you? Wrong with you? I, <laughs> I wrote. I, I had. I had to give my. I had to give my roommate a check one time, and and you know when you write. By the way, I apologize ahead of time for what I'm going to say. Do you know when you write on the CC at the check on the on the far bottom what the services was for? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I wrote for that sweet hot pussy. <laughs> <laughs> It was my roommate. It was my roommate, a dude at the time. And my dad called me. He goes, the fuck are you writing on a check for that sweet? You know, people have to see that fucking check. There are people that work in a bank that are going, he got sweet hot pussy from a guy named Hutch. What the fuck is wrong with you? And I was just like, I don't know. I, you know, so I think when you say that, I think there has been a weird part of my personality that is so doing its own thing, but you're always kind of, I guess, protecting yourself from your father's perception of you of like, well, that's why you're a comic. He's the reason why you're doing what you're doing. You have to be you. We have to be ourselves in some form or another. Why not take all this? What he would see is craziness, weirdness, whatever it might be. You funnel it into like, okay, I'm going to do this with my life because this is where it's acceptable. It's acceptable, right? acceptable to rip off your shirt uh on a on, on a stage just like you did on the baseball field you know it's acceptable uh, this is by the way this has been such a great podcast and we haven't talked about you once <laughs> thank god good <laughs> i feel like i feel like i feel like this has been such a fun podcast and all i feel like i've done is just done therapy with you about what i'm going through that's so fun exactly what you do and i and I, like one of the beauties of this and i, I by the way i'd like to do another podcast with you to talk so about fun. you one time, but, yeah. um, but I think that it's, it's what I love about a podcast is personally as a huge podcast fan is I'll listen to my friends do a podcast with someone like you and I'll just su- take out my story or my name as a listener or their name and plug in myself. And I'm certain when we talk about toxicity or shadow boxing or crouching down or, or, or relationships with our father. I think everyone can plug themselves into these scenarios and go, that's me. That's where. Oh yeah. Do you, you find that, do you find that in therapy that that is oh, a lot of. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and the thing is, is like, you know, now, like now you went to back to beating yourself up a little bit over talking about yourself. Um, but the bottom line is, is that everyone you're talking about everyone. And you're, whenever you're doing something authentically and genuinely, everybody can see a little piece of themselves in you. And there's nothing better. There's no, that's not even entertainment. That, that's like enter, entertainment and touching people and helping people feel things on a whole nother level. So I want to thank you for this. Because as you got on the phone with your dad, I was thinking about, my my relationship with my father and and all that stuff so yeah so thank you well let's do let's do this let's let's do another are you you free to podcast like next week sure let's do another podcast next week and we'll talk about you this time (laughs) and by the way you know for a fact i'm just gonna end up talking about me (laughs) it'll be wonderful yes it'll be so great it'll be so great this has been such a joy you're so easy to talk to but you know what's so funny is that it's what you do for a living. Yeah. It's, it's like I, halfway into this. I'm like, I, I find, I find you drawing stuff out of me and I'm going, Oh, I forgot I was dealing with a pro. It's like, 
Like, like this sounds, this is a bad analogy, but I remember one time I got hit on by a prostitute in Vegas. She was so beautiful. I mean, by the way, she was the most beautiful woman I've ever seen in my life to this date. And my buddy, Eddie, uh, my buddy, Eddie, who, uh, was with me, he was like, I, she said at one point, let's go upstairs. And I was like, okay. And she was like $1,500. And I was like, wait, what? She's like $1,500. And I was like, oh, and then Eddie started laughing. She's a prostitute. And then we were sitting there and I was like, I don't, man, I don't, I think she liked me. He goes, oh no, no, no. That's what she does for a living. She definitely made you think she liked you. Like she, that's her job. Like she's good at her job. People pay her. That's, he was like, it's not you. It's that's what she does. And I went, oh yeah. And so in talking to you, I forgot your job is like, people may go to dinner with me and go, God, he's funny. That's what I do for a living. Your job is to listen to people and to process it and then talk to them about their feelings. And I was like, God, she's fucking great. So I forgot <laughs> well, what I, you do. I, I appreciate that. But you're, once again, you're beating yourself up a little bit. It's easy to talk to you. So when you're able to have genuine conversation, it just kind of flows. So well, let's, let's, I refuse to allow you to cut yourself out of this really nice moment. So fuck you if you do that. <laughs> no, here's my question. We'll, we'll pivot about away from me and talk about you for for just a couple minutes, and then I I really honestly would love to do another podcast with you if you have yeah. time next week. Yeah, sure, I'd love Zooms to. Have been so easy. So, did you go to Sebastian's show at the Forum? Sebastian show? No. Sebastian Maniscalco? No, but I do really like him. He's fucking I love him. awesome, right? Oh, that whole thing about the Entenmann's cake. That's my family. That whole thing about, I mean, my grandmother had an intimate, it's only for company. It's <laughs> only for company. Like that's, that is my family, like two AT. So I really do love when he talks about his upbringing and because it, it really is, it, 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 I can see so much again, like talking about seeing yourself and someone else. And, and, and he's, he's easy for me to do that. Do you find, do you find that it's easy sometimes to do your job? Do you find broad strokes culturally that you will find in figuring people out. Like for instance, with Sebastian standup, and I only use Sebastian because he's Italian and he's so talented and we can all wrap our heads around him. But when you, there, there are common, there are shared experiences that Sebastian takes on stage that Italian families seem to all feel like they share, right? When you're, yeah. when you're doing therapy, do you, is there sometimes, can you whittle people down to cultural differences and go, well, of course, you're Jewish. He's Italian. This is, of course, how you're going to interact. Growing up, this you're, you know, you probably had these set of experiences. You had these. Do you ever see that? Or is it? Oh yeah, of course, definitely. And 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 cultures who are more uh, apt to sort of stick together, you know, they'll have a shared way of communicating with other people. Uh, they'll they'll have a shared uh, way of expressing themselves. Like so, for me. You know, you were talking about how you're afraid of conflict. You're a little bit afraid. Not me. I lean right into that shit. I'll lean right into it. But with those toxic people, I, I, I'm a, I, I get a little nervous. I'm like, ooh, how do I tell this person to go fuck off in a way that they'll be able to hear it? Um, so again, it kind of like, going back to full circle to our original conversation. Um, but yeah, I mean, I have, I've come from a super loud, Italian people. Um, and you know, my mother's here in the house now 
And this morning I had to text her from my bedroom. Can you use your indoor voice? Can you just please use your indoor? I mean, we were so far away and it was like, she was fucking two feet away from me. Like it's so, and then I find myself doing the same shit where I'm like, oh my God, I'm like turning into these people. And that's just the way it is. Like, that's just how it is. But yeah, I mean, I definitely see uh, communication patterns amongst cultures for sure. Absolutely. And like, even in myself, you know what I mean? Even in myself. So like, yeah, I I live in LA and are you in LA? Where are you at? I'm in LA. Yeah. Okay. So for me, I've adopted a communication style when I first moved here 20 years ago, by the way, I'm like, so dating myself. But when I moved here 20 years ago, I kind of felt that everyone was communicating on this weird level, this weird, um, they were trying to say something without saying it. I had such a hard time with that because I'm from Philly. Like we say it the way it is. Like that's just, that's, that's just how it is. And I found myself at 20 years ago trying to change myself into this way of communicating. And then after several failed attempts where it felt so disingenuous, completely inauthentic, I was like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm going to lean in. I'm going to lean in to me being who I am. So now when I get these messages, someone's asking me, I, I send back, I can't read all this bullshit. Tell me what you want from me. And I'll tell you if I can give it. It's like that simple. It's that simple. We don't need to go around that. You know what I mean? And I feel like people really appreciate that now. They really appreciate like, I'm not going to, I don't need to read tons of paragraphs. Just give it to me. Just give it to me straight. And a lot of people, I, I think don't really know how to do that. At least here. I don't know if you find that to be similar. No, we were talking about those the friends I have now, and, and Joey Diaz once again is, is one of my one of my greatest friends, like one of my closest friends, and he is a guy who his whole fucking time I've known him, he's like, dog, don't text me. You want to fucking talk? Call me on the phone like a man. We talk. I gotta talk to you. <laughs> if I don't hear from you, and he goes, if I call you and you don't call me back, don't give me some bullshit. You got you're busy. Fucking call me. And th- yeah. my buddy Eddie, the guy I was telling you about, who um who was I we were. I was oh, about the prostitute. Uh, one time, <laughs> that's by the way, that's whittling Eddie down when he is so complex. Uh, he, um, he, when we first came out here, we were at the we were at the improv, and there was a comedian, a famous comedian, uh, who I was, was friends with, uh, and I thought, and uh, Eddie was like lo- listening to the way he was behaving with me. And Eddie's like, yo, why don't you fucking smack him? And I was like, what? He's like, he's being disrespectful. And I was like, oh, no, he's just just busting balls. He's like, no, man, it's past that. You got to fucking hit him. I go, I'm I'm not going to hit him. (laughs) And he was like, he was like, you would have hit him in college. And I was like, well, yeah, but. Yeah, but you're not. You don't be arrested for assault. Yeah, I know. And Eddie's like, no, man, no, man. By the way, now I want to call Eddie. He was like, no, man, you fucking smack him in the face. (laughs) Dude, you don't talk like that. Like, because. Eddie was so still and he lived in Eddie lived in LA, but he was like, yo man, you, there are certain things that are happening in Hollywood that are lies that I'm not willing to buy into the lies of like, I remember Eddie's big thing was like, Joey was like, Hey, I called you and you didn't call me back. And I was like, Oh yeah, I was busy. He was like, no, you weren't. 
you were too busy to call me back. You just didn't want to call me back. Say that. And you're like, well, that's not it. And he was like, no, it was. You either call me back, you don't call me back. Like, it's super simple. And it's like, <laughs> by the way, you know who else are like that? Cage fucking fighters. Cage fighters, man, if they call you or text you and you don't reply, they will be very direct because they fight in cages and be like, hey, man, giving you a heads up. I've texted you twice and you haven't replied. I'm starting to get feelings about this shit. And you're like, oh, I'm replying immediately. I feel like I'm better around alpha males, you know, like these beta bitches, like men that are like, that are like super like passive aggressive and slide in here and, and lobby themselves here and tell a few lies and try to isolate people here and here and here. They get me confused, man. Alpha males, like dudes that are, are men and behave like men. I feel like I can understand more because I know what they're saying and they don't. And by the way, I'm probably a beta bitch, like hardcore. <laughs> I'm certain I am. Well, I don't necessarily, I don't buy into that bullshit, but um, <clears throat> it's just different ways of communicating. I appreciate a very direct way of communication. I appreciate that. I grew up with that. That's what I'm used to. That's what I like. I feel like I can work with people who, uh, are, are able, you know, to put their balls on the line and say how they feel like that feels good for me because that's what I'm used to. Right. Telling people um, what you want is so fucking important. Yeah, that's true. Telling people direct, what you just said really just, I wrote it down. I've been writing a bunch of this shit. I feel like I'm in therapy to be that honest with you. I've been writing <laughs> a bunch of this shit down, but communicating directly with people like, like saying, this is what I want. It's so, it's so funny who I will do that with and who I won't do that with. Yeah. Like there are certain yeah. people I will not communicate directly with. I will just be roundabout like this. And then there's like my, my friends, I'll be like, Hey man, specials coming out. Can I do your podcast? Uh, Hey, uh, let's, can I change this date? Dot, 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 dot. You know? Yeah. And there's certain people I'm just like, Sure thing. And then, and then my wife's like, wait, you already booked for that. And I was like, don't bring it up. It's just so much easier not to have to fucking deal with it. What's the difference? Is it, is it the, the, the toxicity that you were talking about from the beginning? It's fucking people that make things life complicated. Oh. It's people that just that everything, they make everything complicated. And so like, like, uh, like I, I can only like, I can only say like, I'll use Rogan as an example, right? Rogan's someone who's everyone's asking a million things from him. So if you're his friend, you don't really ask much from Joe. Like, you don't, like if you're his friend, you just are, I, I, yeah. this is how I operate is you're his friend. So yeah. if he texts you, you reply. And if, if you text him, he replies. And if he calls, you pick up. And if you call, he picks up. And, and if you want something from him, like say my special's coming out and I wanted to do his podcast. I don't feel like that's an imposition to go, Hey man, can I do your podcast? Cause I, I know for a fact that if, by the way, if he's, booked up or if it's, he's busy he'll say i can't do it and i and i don't it doesn't i don't get feelings over it i go because okay. he's direct you, like you trust there's an emotional trust yeah you know so it's it, it's like when we throw a rock into a pond there's circles that'll come out from that action right the rock hits yeah. the water you have the first circle you have the second circle the third circle and so i was thinking about when you came on about toxic people Make sure you keep those people on the outer circle. Don't let those people inside your immediate circle, right? 
learn to keep them outside so that they don't wreak too much havoc on your life. And what you're talking about with Joe, with your other friends, Diaz, all these great people that you have, they're your inner circle. You want, you want more of that, right? You want more. Yeah, you, we you, all want more. If of you that. tell them something, if you tell them something, you don't have to worry about that being shared. You know that even like there's like trust. If, I could tell you loyalty is if I murdered someone and he would even if I backstabbed him, he'd never tell anyone I murdered someone. He'd be like, You don't do that. There's just a loyalty, you know, that's a loyalty and a trust. And those people are invaluable in your in in, in your life. And I just want to say to you, it it goes to show you what a good person you are. Because you have those people. No, you have those people. Don't scoff at a fucking compliment. You have those people. You know, like, like, you know what I mean? Like you're, you're so fortunate. And you have cultivated those kinds of relationships. It's not just them. It's also you. So it's the dynamic that you have with this inner circle of friends that you have. That you're so lucky to have. I mean, I mean, like even your wife, like this is amazing support system, but you are part of that. Don't ever forget that, that you help cultivate the important and meaningful and purposeful relationships in your life. It's not just one-sided. Again, even if, if we were to apply that model to toxicity, you're also cultivating that, right? So you're yeah. part of these. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can easily take the blame. Why can't I take the compliment? And that's what I'm trying to say. It's like you can, we, it, it's like if we could, if we could have as much confidence as we do, like imagine if our confident voice was as loud as our self doubt. Like imagine what would be different in our lives. So much. So much it. would be different. Yeah, I need that. All right, well, let's schedule a date next uh, week. Let's schedule a date next week and do another one. Yeah, we got this. Because we've been been going for about an hour and a half, and I know you probably got a busy fucking day. But I could could literally, (laughs) I I could talk to you forever, (laughs) forever. By the way, and this is the reason, this is the reason therapy never worked for me because like, I'm very, very literal. um, But I, but, and and I, and I, sometimes I'll always try to whittle apart the truths, but you're also absolutely beautiful. So to talk to you, it's like fun talking to a hot chick. So <laughs> I love but, you. And I say that, I say that to everyone listening to the podcast, <laughs> go out and check out the video on YouTube. Check out, you have a bunch of videos on YouTube. I was going yeah. through last night. Yeah, sure. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate and, that. And, uh, and, and what do you have to, are you doing a podcast? Why aren't you doing a podcast? Because I do so many other people's podcasts. <laughs> but yeah, but you know what you should do is you should do like, you should do a podcast, like what we just did and do it with, comics and and celebrities but just talk to them because i whatever it is about you i just was like i don't know i, I was dealing with them some shit today and then and i was talking to my friends about it and when i started with you it just all of a sudden i started unpacking everything and i couldn't even stop and so mm. there, i mean it's it is what you're great at is listening to people which makes a great podcast host i am a horrible mm. one if you didn't notice <laughs> you're anyway, a great my podcast, podcast my podcast host. is whatever it is. Everyone's been listening for a while. They know what I do. And so, and so they get it. Yeah. They, they, my fans know me. And by the way, I guarantee you at one point they're like, here we go with the Pinto baseball. Take the shirt off story. 
<laughs> Jesus. Oh, he's calling his dad this time. Nice. Can't wait to hear what Big Al has to say. But, uh, well, that's, but that, I mean, that's amazing that the people who listen to you, they know you, they know you so well and they know your life so well. Like, that's so great. I'm no, happy for you. It's, it's, uh, I, I, the, I'll, I'll tell you this and I say this to you. Um, the same way Joe said it to me, the best thing I ever did in my career was start a podcast. It's the best thing I ever, ever did. And so, wow, um, wow. that's so, a big statement. Oh, without a doubt. Uh, by the way, the, the be- only thing I've done better is start two other podcasts. So I do a podcast with Tom and I do a podcast with Bill Burr and there it's, it's a, it's an extension of social media to, to my fans or to people that enjoy what I do. And it, and for me, I talk better in story and I share better. I share a lot. And so I think you should definitely do that. And I think that you should have celebrities on and, and talk to them and talk to them about and kind of do what you do because whatever Mm -hmm. you do, whatever I had, by the way, I, I, when I zoom, sometimes you'll do a zoom with people that you're like, I don't know how long I can do this. And you'll, I look at the little talk <laughs> and I'll go and it, and it, 15 minutes is the breaker. If I look at it for the first time and I'm past 15 minutes and yeah. I, and, it, and I don't feel like it's been taught, started yet. I go, oh, yeah. this is going to be a good one. But if I look at it and I go, wow, seven minutes. Ugh. When I looked up we were at 30 and I went, what the fuck? I was like, Bert, talk about her. Talk about her. <laughs> I love, um, I love, look, everyone's been telling me like, oh, you should do a podcast. You should do a podcast. I guess, I guess, uh, I want to, I guess I just got to figure out how to get it started. So it's very simple. And by the way, it's very, very, very simple, especially right now that everyone's social distancing, um, uh, with, with zoom. And I, and I think, you know, I know for a fact, I only talk to my therapist on zoom or not on zoom, but on, uh, on Skype. And then I had to stop because I was lying to him because I was afraid someone was going to get a hold of my camera and post all my therapy sessions. Oh. Yeah. So. Yeah. Are you normally that paranoid? Uh, I'm I'm rationally paranoid. Like I'm very okay. rationally paranoid. Like that. I, I got to a place where I was remember thinking, you know, someone could very easily steal these therapy sessions. Now it's kind of odd. I kind of wish someone had and posted it. <laughs> go back and watch it. But, um, but I would, I would, I would bite my tongue on certain things that were really bothering me, especially if it was like some of the stuff we talked about, about toxic people, I would bite my tongue because I didn't want to ruin their careers or I didn't want to ruin them. And so I was afraid people, so I I didn't get to be totally honest. And so not, and I mean, I I wasn't lying. Like me and Leanne have a great relationship. I was honest about everything family wise about me and Leanne about me and the girls about my shortcomings as a dad, about working too hard, about getting fired from travel channel, about drug and alcohol, everything hundred percent honest. But it, when it came to personal relationships, especially having to deal with this business, I was biting my tongue on things that I, that were bothering me. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, 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 and so I just, I was like, I, I gotta stop this. I'm, it's not helping. I'm, I'm mm. so Look, it's so hard to, to, to like talk about those things. I, I know we've been trying to put a button on this for probably about 20 minutes now, but no, no, I'm it's, 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 it's so hard to, to talk to, look, when you're in a business where people are products, it sucks. Yeah. It just sucks. It blows. And so, you know, I hate the phrase, just don't take it personal. Everything's fucking personal. 
Everything is personal. We're human beings. They're meant to be personal. We're living, breathing human beings. Like we, we help each other feel things. It's, it's personal. So when you're in a business where people are the products, it, it feels so personal and so overwhelming. And then those people are maybe giving, perhaps you'll be able to get a job from them or whatever, or whatever, how fucked up this whole system is. Um, oh, yeah. Which, by the way, I, I love to see it being thrown on its head right now. Like, I just, it's kind of interesting to see new and exciting things coming out of this. Like, people Zooming with one another. People, uh, you know, make, like, doing their podcasts. Like, like think about all that came out of people like you being annoyed with this fucking, I don't want to say system, but the way this shit operates, right? Like that's probably maybe one of the reasons why you started your podcast. Was well, like, it started, no, yeah, it was it was a way to take control of my own career. Exactly. I was so tired of, of of I was so tired of the phone call of like, did they pick it up? Did they like it? And I was like, who are they? Like they, yeah, who are they? Like who are these people? Who, like who why are not? They? Me, or, I remember I fell off a waterfall. By the way, that's something we can totally differently talk about later. <laughs> PTSD. I fell off a waterfall, and uh, and I remember being in the ambulance and looking at my phone, I'd posted a picture of myself on a stretcher with a neck brace. I was in the ambulance looking on my phone and someone said, Jesus, Bert, we don't like your shitty TV show. We only like your podcast and your standup. Don't you know that already? Like, don't kill yourself for something no one watches. And I went, I was like, wait, what am I killing? I'm jumping out of planes. I'm doing dangerous shit. And no one's watching it. And by the way, I, I'm looking for appro- approval from a network that no, that yeah, don't, don't like the people like my fans aren't watching this network. And I'm here. I am busting my ass for this network. Like, what am I doing? It was just so confusing. And so I was yeah. like, and then and Bill Byrne, Joe Rogan pulled me aside and they're like, man, we love you, but your show sucks. You got to just focus on your stand up and your podcast. And, that, yeah. and that's around the same time that my dad said, I fucked you up. And, and so then all of a sudden I was like, I was like, oh my God, my therapist just texted me. <laughs> oh my God. Fuck. Oh, why, God. Why, why were you lying to me? No, I, that's what I thought he was going to say. <laughs> By the way, he was like a device for bits at, uh, for a period of time. Cause I was doing bits about being in therapy and I was always, I was always skeptical about how, I, cause my perception of him, of therapy sometimes as a comic, I could perceive it in a way that was comedic, you know, like when oh, you share moments back and forth. And so I was always wondering if he would get upset by the fact that I would take what was happening with us and turn it into a bit. But did you ever he, ask him? No, I, I know I have a weird thing about my wife never told me how much therapy cost. Mm. And I used to have, I used to have an issue. I still have an issue, I guess. With the idea that as long as they had a mortgage, I was going to have problems because mm. my problems, the worse they were, the better that was for them in paying their bills. That was like mm-hmm. a big fucking hang up I had. I, by mm-hmm. the way, I also couldn't, are you ready for this? This is, I mean, you want to talk about how broken I am? I had, I had a therapist that was an unattractive woman and I couldn't get past the fact that of course, she'd want. Of course, I was going to want it. She was going to see me twice a week now because I was attractive to her. Like I would, I would feel the same way if I was. 
a therapist and I saw a really good looking woman come in, I would definitely would love to see her more than not. Like, and I, I shared that with her and she was extremely offended. And I was like, yeah, but I'm like a dime to you. And you, you look at me and you're like, yeah, why wouldn't you want to? And she was like, I'm, you, you think I'm attracted to you? And I go, yeah, I'm a hundred percent. Like, and she just was like, well, why, what would make you think that I'm attracted to you? I go, I'm just better looking than you are. Like, I mean, that's just, like, but, need to this out. but no, but, but if you're going to be my therapist, you need to talk very honestly about certain things because I need to know that I'm going to get better. Like, I can't just sit here and go, or how long is this going on for forever? Forever. Cause you, you're fucking three and I'm a 10. So like, so like there were certain things that I could not. And I would tell them to my wife, my wife would be like, you are so fucked up. The, the money thing was like, was like, yeah. killed me. I could not, my dad, by the way, my dad went to therapy once. I don't know if I'm cool with, share, um, if he's cool with me sharing this, but I'm going to, cause it's fucking hilarious. My dad, my dad went into therapy once. <laughs> you can't even get it out. And he went out, we all went to the same therapy. My parents were splitting up and my mom got us all into therapy. And so I went to the same therapist. All it was like two or three therapists in this one building saw all of us. And it was a, it was a Florida, not a strip mall. It was a, what, but what happened in like the late nineties was like these, like almost like office buildings built in the middle of woods. And so yeah, in Florida, in Tampa, people in Tampa know what I'm talking about. And so, uh, so my dad went into therapy and he, the guy goes, have a seat. And my dad goes, I'm good. And he, my dad went over <laughs> to the window, opened the blinds and he goes, which car is yours? <laughs> wait, oh my God. Right <laughs> up my alley. And the guy goes, I don't, I don't know why that matters. And my dad goes, well, there's only three cars out there. And one of them is mine. Which car is yours? And the guy goes, the green one. And dad shuts the blind and he goes, your car is a fucking mess. When was the last time you washed it? And the guy goes, why does that matter? And my dad goes, I don't think I can be in therapy with a guy that doesn't clean his car and have a little self-respect for himself and just walk out. <laughs> My dad to this day, he'll share that with me. He goes, who the fuck doesn't clean their car? Who doesn't take pride in their car? I can't listen to a man who doesn't take pride in his car. And it made so much fucking sense to me that I was going to the same therapist at the time when my dad shared that. And I was like, yeah, that guy is a fucking mess. Like, well, look, I mean, it, it, it makes sense because it confirms what we want to be true. It's a, yes, it's a confirmation it. you're, you're bias. To, you're totally right. So it's, it's, wait, wait, what did you say? It's called what? It, it's a confirmation bias. So, so uh, a long time ago, I heard, I heard Joe do a podcast. I'm sure with a therapist who said the exact same words. Joe said, do you ever notice that whenever, like Joe's thing was, do you ever notice that as soon as you get in the shower, the phone rings? And the guy said, no, 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 no. It's that you're, that when you're in the shower and the phone rings, you notice it. So yeah. my confirmation bias is whenever we're on the treadmill, I always see double, double numbers, 11, 11, 12, 12. Mm -hmm. I always, by the way, I'm erasing all the types that I look and it says uh, 12, 36. I just ignore oh, yeah. all those. Right. I only grab the ones that go 12, 12. And I go, see, every time I look at that thing. I mean, if you're looking to distrust someone, you're going to find it. Yeah. Okay. Whether that's in the car, whether that's in what the lady looks like, whether that's in the money exchange, all of that. If you're looking to distrust someone, you will. You'll find a reason to do that. 
And that's a, that's very human when you're talking to someone about things that are super intimate, about things that you'll be expected to share. Um, but more importantly, I think that happens more often with a very specific therapeutic style. Um, <clears throat> I, I like, I'm a, I'm a humanist. So my style is, you know, just two people talking. I think I'm broken in so many ways, but I think I, I leaned into being broken as a comic because it, it does behoove you to be a little bit of a contrarian to it, like as a comic to look at every process and see it sideways and go, uh, you know, maybe I, cause there's always a joke right around the corner. I don't know. No, it's no, it's true. I remember you, you had brought up Sebastian and in one of his later, uh, standups, he had said he, he was at the gym and his, and his wife was like, you know, why, you know, why do you have to look at people at the gym? Like, why can't you just go in and do your own thing? And, and Sebastian's like, cause I like to be bothered. And that's me. I like to be bothered. Like, because I, I my, my mind, it gets creative in that. Right. And comics yeah. are very much the same way. When you're bothered, you're trying to look for solutions and creative ways. And out of that comes the funny. Out of that comes the humanness. Out of that comes a great bit, right? So I, I yeah. get I, I get the process and 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 I commend it because you gotta be bothered all day long <laughs> in order to make that work. <laughs> And so what does your day look on, like? What is your day? What does the rest of your day look like in quarantine? Oh, so I'm going to get on, uh, talk about podcasts. I'm going to get on another podcast. Whose podcast? Whose podcast? Uh, that is a good question. Go, don't worry, don't uh, Oh, I don't remember. Um, yeah. go be beautiful or go be, I, I don't, I don't, I, I don't know. Um, but it's more of a mental health wellness type yeah. type thing. Um, so I'm going to go on her podcast and after that, I'll have some lunch. Then I'll, get back on some calls and phone calls. You know, it's a hard time for people. So yes. I get that. So I usually set aside um, three or four hours to make sure that um, I'm doing what I can. Uh, then I'll write some more articles. I'll continue on my second book. So uh, then I'll yell at my kids. Uh, <laughs> I have a four-year-old uh, who's my adopted daughter? I, I didn't really want any more kids, but um, I thought you were gonna say I didn't really want her. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I have uh, my I have two biological children. I have a twelve uh, year old today, so we'll celebrate his birthday today, and oh. I have a thirteen year old boy. So I have twelve year old, a thirteen year old, and my sister who suffers from substance abuse. Four years ago, I got a call from a hospital that this little baby was there, and did I want this? child that my sister had left um and i remember that day Bert. like it was i remember where the clouds were i remember looking up at the sun i just said you know what like time stands still a little bit oh, in those I, moments I, of your way, life i hate to celebrate those moments but i i know i know those that there's something insanely beautiful in life when those moments happen good and bad where you stop and you go, oh, this is the last moment I'll ever have a, a grandmother, or this is the last moment. And you remember those little things, those little details are, I love when people go, I remember where I was. Like, I, I, I know. What yeah. You're yeah. And so, you know, I always joke about how <laughs> I didn't want to get married. I didn't want to have kids. My husband talked me into both of those situations and they were the best thing I ever did. Right. 
Um, and so to have this, this little baby at my age, I was not expecting that. And I'll tell you, it just, it's made my heart grow bigger, bigger really? than I ever could have imagined it. And she's such a beautiful, beautiful kid. She, she was born drug exposed. So there was a lot dealing with that. Um, and thank God she's healthy and she's smart yeah. and How old four, I four just turned four in February. And I, I, I call her my, uh, uh, Mestiza. She's half Mexican, half Italian. So She's she's such a spitfire, man. <laughs> she, talk about conflict. She's not scared. <laughs> See, that's I want. I wanted another child. I, I remember kept jokingly to my wife. I was like, what if I just got someone pregnant on the road and we got to raise it? My wife's like, that's not the part I want. She's like, I, I wouldn't like get me pregnant. We'll have someone else raise it. <laughs> but I but I feel like it would make me feel I'm, I'm I feel I've, I've been having issues with aging. Uh, and, I'm, and by the way, I'm not even, I'm not even old and I don't feel old, but I just, the idea that life might one day be over has been. When you come to that realization and look, when I was in my twenties and maybe when you were in your twenties, you thought you'd live forever, right? Yeah. Like you never knew that like, holy shit. I remember around 39, like 10 years ago, 39, I was like, I'm going to die. Like this shit. Like you come in touch with your own mortality in a way, it's shocking. It was well, shocking the, to this me. This whole coronavirus has really flipped me out because, you know, I was on it. I was just, I was just talking to Joe about this this morning. Um, you know, he said, I'm, I'm, I'm worried. I'm worried about you. I was worried about you when this virus kicked out because who it attacks is uh, people that are obese and people that drink and people that smoke and, you're smoking cigars. You're drinking every night. You're you're overweight. You're out of shape. You have blood, high blood pressure. You're on blood pressure medicine. Wow, that's and a I, lot to handle for the morning. <laughs> yeah, and, I, and, and I was, and I was, um, and I was like, man, I got to be honest with you. You did that podcast with the one guy that Chris Osterlehouse, whatever his name is, and Joe said to me, he was like, I was talking to you in that podcast about getting in shape, and it was like for the first time ever. I felt like, I felt like, uh, I, I felt like I was out of control that I, that I, I wasn't in control that this virus did not care that I had money. It didn't care that I had, that I had two kids or, or that it wasn't my time or that, or that, um, this virus would be like, no, no, that I, that I didn't smoke cigars all the time. This virus would go, no, no, but you smoke cigars. We're good. That's all we need is a little in Or this virus. Wasn't like, oh, he's not an alcoholic. He just drinks a lot. This virus be like, oh no, his immune system's down. We're getting in, and mm -hmm. so for I and I, I wonder if it was a little bit of a, a wake up call, or if it, whatever it was, I shut it down and was like, got here and I was like, we're getting healthy. We're gonna get on the treadmill every day. We're gonna run. I've, I've been averaging about five miles a day, and I've been not drinking, eating healthy, not smoking cigars, not smoking weed. I think it's. I want to say it's been. I'll tell you exactly. I got an app that tells you exactly how long I've been healthy. <clears throat> I've been healthy for um, 30 days. 30 days, two hours, 20, 12 minutes, and 51 seconds is when I decided, is when Joe's podcast, I was listening to Joe's podcast, and I heard him say that, and I said, that's it. We're done. I was like, stop. That is amazing, because in after 30 days, you are able 
you've now hit a spot where all those bad habits become new behaviors. Do you feel that in yourself? Do you feel that you've now have developed not only gotten rid of some of the bad habits, but you've now developed a lifestyle? Uh, you, I'll or, tell you or is it still I'll a struggle? No, no, no. I, and this is this leads me into what I wanted. To, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, but I did not, and we will talk about it uh, <laughs> at at length. Is um, I started finding started finding the flaws in my system that that I f- started finding the flaws in my system. Meaning, I had set up a system so that I could operate uh, when I was drinking a lot. I had set up a system so that it. It, it made sense. A lot of it was based around sleep and how much sleep I could get. And, and, and then it was very punitive. Like if I drank a lot, it, I would force myself onto the treadmill and I would force myself into it and fuck it. You're going to have a heart attack. You're having it now. Like, let's do this. Fuck you. Like it was that really nasty. And then I talked to Bill Burr about it and he said, you know, Bill's like a, like a real, a real, like, defensive coordinator when it comes to when it comes to therapy like a real like old school fucking buzz cut like no we gotta hold the fucking line you know so bill (laughs) bill was like bill said to me the other day make your fucking bed and i go what and he goes make your fucking bed he goes you ever see that general i don't know what the fuck he was saying all he said was number one make your fucking bed and he goes i enlist the rest of speech Bert. i just heard make your fucking bed and i thought i bet that helps so I started making my fucking bed and I'll tell you what, it fucking helps. So I started saying, this is fucking, I was going to say stupid. I love Bill. I think he's brilliant. I really do. But fucking sometimes Bill's therapy is hilarious. The way he looks at life. And the other day, yesterday I said, what happened was, what was happening to me was I was getting up and I was going online and I was sending out, putting out tweets and putting out some stuff. And, and then having a coffee, reading the news, talking to my wife, making the girls breakfast. And I wasn't getting on the treadmill and I wasn't making my bed. And so two days ago, I said, I was like frustrated by this. And I went, oh no, it is feet on the ground, make the bed, get on the treadmill. That's how we go. And if you want to do that bullshit online, do it on the treadmill. And so I've been doing that as like a a cheat code of like going, make this your habit, like feet on the ground, shoes on, on the treadmill. There's no fucking around. You make a cup of coffee, have it on the treadmill. Like none of all this. And then what happens for me is my serotonin peaks really high. And I do not dick around for the rest of the day. I get shit done. Mm-hmm. I go to podcast. I go to write my script. I then, and like my day trickles out. And so one of the things I wanted to ask you is those cheat codes, like a cheat code, like a, like a very simple <clears throat> cheat code for people that are dealing with depression. You know, Bill's cheat code was make your bed for me that made sense was like, just, just do, just make your bed. And then you're not getting back in it. It's made. Mm-hmm. And, then, yeah. and then for me, it was a get on the treadmill and get that workout right in. And I know you're dealing with a lot of people and, and just by the amount of like, in a weird way, just by the amount of omelets you make, you know, technically. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to learn cheat codes, get the pot hot, pan, the pan hot or, or yeah. don't use too many eggs. Like what are, what's a good cheat code for people listening to this? And by the way, You've been like insanely helpful. I bet there are people listening to this going like, dude, have her on once a fucking week. I got to get toxic people out of my life. My dad, <laughs> I was shocking as well. Like I bet there's, I bet this is going to be one of my most responded to podcasts I've ever done. 
but like, what's a good cheat code for people dealing with the monotony or the depression or the anxiety of everything going on? If you, if you have one. No, no, that, that's a great question. Um, I think that there's three things that people need to implement into their life. Three things, just like making the bed. And, and the reason why making the bed works, because once you do one thing um, every day correctly, it sets your day up to do another thing correctly and another thing correctly. And getting on that social media like you were doing previously was interrupting your creative process. For you, it's about how creative can you be. Once you're reading the news, once you're on social media, it interrupts that 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 chemical in the brain, like we're talking about serotonin and dopamine, that helps us be more creative. So I'm so happy that you found a way into that. And, and, and that doesn't mean like I, I get it, like social media is a whole other job, but you gotta have time for you, right? And I think that so many people like you found uh missteps in their system during this time, what they weren't doing correctly and what they could change. So, I mean, I just like to bring it back to the fucking fundamentals, the fucking fundamentals. What does that look like? Well, number one, limit what you're reading and breathing about COVID-19. That's brilliant. Limit that shit. You know why I love that? It's so so simple. And, but it's so unachievable, meaning like we, if you did this with anything, not to cut you off, but, but you, what you said just hit a nerve with me. Cause if I did this with anything, now we're talking about COVID-19, say I did this about golf. I would be fucking unbearable to be around. Cause I'd be like, Hey, have you seen the golf scores? Do you know what's going on with Tiger Woods? Oh my God. I can tell you about, and you'd yeah. just be obsessing about something and obsessing is not healthy. Well, it goes up, it goes back around to boundaries. So all this kind of ties in with toxicity. Too much information that you're reading all day long becomes toxic. It's like a toxic person. Like COVID-19 is a toxic person in your life that you have to put boundaries around. So your mind is not a psychological waste dump. You have to really mind what you feed it. Don't feed it a lot of bullshit. Know the limits. Know when you're full. Know when you're about to psychologically vomit. Know that. So one of the things that I keep stressing is make sure that you put boundaries around the information that you are willing to accept about COVID-19. That means that in in the today's age, you can decide where, when, and how you receive your information. You can decide that. So make good choices. Don't sit on your phone all day at home consuming yourself with this toxicity. Get the information that you need. Get the scientific data. Get, you know, I don't know, watch Governor Cuomo's briefing. Like whatever it might be that helps you. And then that's it. That's all you need to know. Breaking news, it'll come through. You get those pop-ups on your phone. You don't need to immerse yourself. You have to be wise you, your, your mind is in a psychological waste time. So, so, that, so that's number one. Number two, 20 years ago, when I first heard the word uh, meditation, I wanted to eye roll myself into another fucking universe. Fuck that. Like I grew up a hard ass Philly kid. We don't do meditation. But let me tell you, we don't 
we have this idea about meditation where we might eye roll it or we think that it's not for us because number one, we don't know how to do it. And number two, because of the time it takes. Now, there are many meditations that you can get everywhere. Bert, they are five to seven minutes long. Five to seven, that's all it takes to shift your mind. They're guided meditations. My favorite is Chell Hamilton. I love her. Um, is that, is that, where do I find Chell Hamilton? Chell, C-H-E-L, uh, Hamilton, um, the, the way that it sounds. Um, you can find her on Spotify, iTunes. You can find her everywhere. Okay, okay. You, but, 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 but more importantly, find, pers- find one that speaks to you. you know, um, sometimes people want a male voice. Sometimes they want a female voice. You know, sometimes their visualizations don't work or whatever it might be. They're so easy now. Five to seven minutes to quiet your mind and your body. And once you quiet your mind, your body follows with it. Well, what do I mean by that? All of the jitteries that you have, your anxiety, things that make us overeat, things that make us drink. Once she's got a podcast, gonna... Meditation Minis podcast. Oh, she's unbelievable. Okay, Chell Hamilton. She's unbelievable. And it's five to seven minutes long. These mini meditations that will help shift your mind focus. Like if you're looking for creativity, Bert, she's got one for that. If you're looking to go to sleep, she's got one for that. If you're looking to feel positive, she's got one for that. And I just love this idea about we're in our homes. Use the time wisely to self-care like you're doing, right? But a lot of people, you know, they, 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 they need more direction than that. And, and then a third thing that I like to tell people because we all forget to do it is breathe. Six seconds in, six <laughs> seconds out. It's like I said to myself the other night. I was sitting on my. Uh, I was sitting on my. Um, that's my buzz to write a script. Remember, I told you I go. I got little setups. I get an alarm to start writing at one o'clock. The um, I was sitting in my recliner and I thought to myself. I literally thought to myself like a moron would think to themselves. I go, "Hey, big guy, you haven't breathed in a while." And then I was like, eh, "Interesting." I was like, "I'm not breathing now." And then I'm like, all of a sudden, I was like. It can't be good that I'm sitting here not breathing. I was like, okay, yeah, yeah. I was starting to get lightheaded. Like that was what the yeah. fuck is wrong with me? Yeah, like we. It's so funny that something that is such a a, a, a response, something we do no matter what. Our bodies are incredible, um, but breathing is so so important. Anyway, I hope that you cut this down um, no. to a listenable no, <laughs> size no. for people. No, not at all. Not at all. Hey, listen this to is, us shoot look, the shit the beauty for is, two hours. By the way, I, you're someone I could talk to for fucking five hours. the The beauty of a pod, the beauty of a podcast, are is that, in my opinion, is there are no rules. It's all about growth. It's all about doing things different. And you know, one of my favorite podcasts I ever did to circle back to what you just said. Um, I, I wrote a book, and I was overwhelmed by the amount of um, uh, things that were required of me after I wrote the book. It really once again, I, I never celebrated that book. I don't know. <laughs> I wrote a book and I was like, I never celebrated the writing of the book or the selling of the book or anything. I just worked. And, but I was overwhelmed by the process of promoting the book. And my buddy, Duncan Trussell, who's Duncan Trussell is one of the fucking greatest guys in the world, came over to do a podcast and we were doing a podcast and he could tell that I was spinning out of control. And he goes, what's going on, man? And by the way, I'm trying to do a podcast where I interview him. I don't even know if I knew what my podcast was then at all. Mm-hmm. And I said, I don't know, man, I'm fucking. And I just kind of broke down and stopped doing what I thought was the podcast per se. 
And I said, I don't know, man, I'm having a fucking really rough time. He's like, talk to me about it. And I was like, I don't want to do this on a podcast. And he said, that's the beauty of a podcast. It can be whatever we want it to be. He said, talk to me about it. Duncan's beyond one of the most intelligent people I know. And so he was sitting right there in my pot, in my man cave. And I told him what's going on. And he said, why don't I lead you to a guided meditation? And I went now. And he was like, maybe, <laughs> and he goes, maybe people need it. And he goes, who yeah. cares? He goes, who cares if they turn it off? Fuck them. And I went, yeah. Yeah. And he led me through a, like a 20 minute guided meditation on a podcast. And it was awesome. And then we had a, the greatest hour and a half conversation afterward. And I was calmed down and I was relaxed. And I used to go back to that one podcast. I did that one podcast with Duncan when I was stressed and I would listen to his guided meditation. He took me through on that one podcast. And that was the beauty of a podcast was that it didn't have to have rules. It could be whatever it wanted. And that's the beauty of this podcast is that I, I'm sure you'll get, uh, I'm sure you'll get a lot of people that will interview you and say, so tell us about the process of writing a book. I want to know about how do you, how do you know where to start from? I want to talk about relationships. And, oh, uh, there's the way, always an agenda There yeah. people have their agenda and that you have to answer the agenda. And what I love is what you're saying is it's so true. Like a podcast can be whatever it wants to be. You decide what that is. I think people and, find more use, use, usefulness in what we did for the past two hours to apply in their own life is just sitting and listening to two people talk and go, Here, here's what's broken in me and how do I fix it? And then I think people go, oh, that's broken in me or that's broken in my wife or that's broken in my life. And, and like I said, I, I'm without a doubt, I'd love to do this again next week. And I can't so promise I'll be a great interviewer, but I will <laughs> promise you that it'll be a great fucking podcast. <laughs> That we'll talk way more about you. <laughs> no, we don't need to. I, I, I actually love learning and listening about other people, obviously. This has been so much fun. Go do your writing. We'll talk next week. And um, I'll see you soon. What are the names of your books so people can buy them real quick? And then we'll put this at the beginning of the podcast. Um, my book is called Bad Advice, How to Survive and Thrive in an Age of Bullshit. And it was number one in Los Angeles Times, and it got on the um, what is it USA Today, uh, whatever best selling whatever. Read it. You might like it. What's your website? Uh, I'm not very good at promoting myself. So you have. You have a, you, I, I saw it last uh, night. It was like yeah, doctor. doctor. No, no, no. It's talk to drv.com. Okay. Talk to drv.com, and then on Insta. Oh, here's my PR agent telling me now. It's um, <laughs> D-O-C-T-O-R underscore V underscore. That's my Instagram. <laughs> okay. Yeah, everyone check Thanks. out your Instagram. I'll follow, give you a follow on Instagram and then I'll have them follow up this week to set up time next week. We can talk. So fun. So fun. Hey, it's been a blast. Bert, I send you love. I send you lots of hugs. Please tell your wife I said hello. I send peace to you and yours and stay healthy, stay safe. And I'll see you soon. Tell your son I said happy birthday. I will. Thank you. Hey, thank you. I'll talk to you later. This episode was brought to you by The Machine.